I saw this old house. It was just so, so unique, um, and it had it was a historic landmark and had a sign, and it said, "Death of the Fox." That's Chuck Garrity of Death of the Fox Brewing Company in Clarksboro, New Jersey. Welcome to Over Beers, a craft beer conversation podcast. My name is Freddie Clark. Breweries in most places are traditionally in industrial sections of town. When laws change and they have the opportunity to open a tap room, they're usually created by carving out a section of the production brewery, putting in some taps, a bar, some stools, and boom, tap room opened. For breweries that started after the law change, the dynamic changed, and they built their tap rooms as the centerpiece of their facility. Thought was given to how welcoming the space can be. How will people feel when they visit? It can be a place where people can be social with one another and hopefully generate a sense of community. That's the feeling you'll get when you visit Death of the Fox. Plus, there's something very different. The smell of coffee greets you when you walk in. In addition to being a brewery, Death of the Fox is also a coffee house. People are walking in as early as 7 a.m. and they're looking for their caffeine fix, and then we'll be back later for a beer. I sat down with founder Chuck Garrity to find out about the inspiration for Death of the Fox and his journey to get there. One of the beers we tried was a white stout, So I wanted to start today by talking a little bit about stouts before we start talking with Chuck. Stouts are a category of warm fermented ale styles that are usually distinguished by their dark color, deep brown or black, with a distinct roasted character, often perceived as dark chocolate or coffee. This is generated by the use of roasted grains. Stouts evolved from the Stout Porter, a very popular style in London in the 1800s. The word stout was first used to describe high alcohol boulder flavor of any style of beer. Over time, it was associated more with the porter style, using the term stout porter. When regular porters fell out of favor, the term was shortened to just stout. The most widely known stout is, of course, the Irish dry stout from Guinness. Although very dark, draft stout is a very light style, coming in at 4% ABV. Other styles of stouts are common, like oatmeal stout or milk stout, or as you're going to hear very soon, white stout. To set the scene, it's approaching midday on a Saturday. Chuck and I are sitting at one corner of the bar in the tap room. People are coming in to get their morning coffee. Most are getting it to go as they do their weekend errands. Two people are enjoying their coffee with books and comfortable chairs in the corner. And as we spoke, two guys came in and started to have some flights as we had our conversation over beers. How did you find yourself getting into beer? That's uh, that's kind of a it, it's it's an interesting question. Uh, you know, when you first when do you when does it when does it really come to you? And when do you uh, when do you when do you first find something uh, that speaks to you? Well, to me. I guess, and yeah, yeah, even I guess I had my first beer when I was a teenager. Uh, I want to say sixteen, seventeen. Of course, the selection wasn't really <laughs> terrific back then. Right. But uh, you know, I remember. I used to, I used to grab straws out of my father's basement. Yeah, yeah can bud and uh, the high life, and uh-huh. uh, you know, whatever we could get our hands on in high school. But I guess in college, I don't know. It, we it was it was strange because, especially in my last couple of years in college, my roommate and I. Uh, Chris Flanagan, shout out to you. So, 
at that time, we started to everybody was drinking the cheapest beer possible, you know, mm-hmm. Key, Keystone Light. Okay. Where did you go to college? Uh, I went to uh, so I, I my first two years were Ryder uh, mm-hmm. University and then the College of New Jersey, which okay. at that, that point was Trenton State. We as soon as I uh, graduated, it changed its name to College of New Jersey. So um, the last couple years of college, when we when we were actually able legally to drink uh, my roommate and i would often go to liquor store and instead of buying the cheapest thing possible we would go for bass ale or guinness or okay. do the imports you know, perhaps a uh yeah and and some germans although you know at that point i think it was i think we, we would buy becks you know that because that that was the best beer available then mm-hmm. And so I guess we always kind of had a uh, saw ourselves as okay. Well, we're going to drink a, a, a higher quality because I mean, it just it got to a point where we were just it, you know you're drinking something that just tastes terrible, right? <laughs> and, and you find yourself wondering, well, why am I doing this? Uh, yeah, you know, it's fun. You know, it it it, it does the job. <laughs> But get you, you there, know, but can you can, should you actually be enjoying something while it also does the job, you know, right. of, of your college party years? Yep. Yeah. And, and I found that once you and like anything else, like good food, good coffee, good anything, once you have something that's good, right, and it opens up a doorway, you're like, wow, I didn't know it could taste like this. Then all of a sudden, it's like, oh my god, like, why would you go back? Yeah, and, you know? and of course, you know, we had our 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 college to, we, we were not making a lot of money in college right. but we were willing to spend more mm-hmm. on on that quality yep. even though it was it was pretty limited so i would say that uh that was so i, I kind of had an attention towards quality even when i was uh when i was younger and then uh after college that's when the first wave of Micro brews, as they, you know, at mm-hmm. that point, so it was micro brews, uh, came out. So that's when you, you started seeing um, you know, Sierra Nevada, you started seeing um, Anchor Steam, mm-hmm. American micro craft brews, um, of course, Sam Adams. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and then, you know, later in the 90s, Dogfish Head, and you started seeing really innovative styles right. coming out of that. Um, so what did you just to back you up a touch? What did you go to school for? So I I was a political science major okay. in my undergrad, and then uh, I had a, a in in I went to grad school right out of undergrad and uh, got an MBA in healthcare management and mm-hmm. administration. Okay. And so uh, beer was not the career path. Beer was beer just was not the career path. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Beer was the escape from the, the okay. uh, career path, but. Um, yeah, so so I got into healthcare because that was a pretty hot topic back in the '90s, especially in the Clinton administration. I was interested in it. I felt that it was a, you know, it was it was a uh, solid career path for me. I considered law. Uh, you know, took every every graduate test, uh, MB, you know, the GRE, the G, uh, GMAT, and and the LSAT, and uh, decided to go into uh, business and and in healthcare specifically. Okay. Did a concentration of that in my undergrad. So, um, yeah. So, for next four years, grad school, 
and uh, and then just kind of uh, got got into started working for a hospital, which is Children's Hospital Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So I worked for the surgeons, and uh, really for the next twenty years, my my focus was healthcare. Okay, uh, but. The, the the beer thing, you know, it, it, in grad school, we used to go up to Rutgers all the time, a lot of good friends in Rutgers, and uh, there was there was home brewing happening. Mm-hmm. Okay. Early, early, you know, Mr. Beer Kit home brewing days. <laughs> it's always Mr. Beer yeah, Kit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was not much available back then. Right. But, uh, and, and so, but, but. I gotta say, you know, the beer that changed my life was, you know, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one, that one was at first, of course, very disruptive. Mm-hmm. You know, you you have it, and you're just like, "Wow, this is." I've never tasted anything like this, and it's 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 with a negative inflection. And then, you know, after you have it a couple more times, you're like, "I've never tasted anything like <laughs> yep, this." Exactly. All of a sudden, like these flavors start to open up, mm-hmm. and it's so mild today compared to so many of the, the strong IPAs. But uh, at that point, it was it was a game changer. Yep, it was it was completely different. I remember I remember having it the first time, and very similar, very similar. Like, what is this? This is not. This is really bitter, and but I'll have another one. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'll I'll do another one. And then you know, and just something about that that bottle and that label, that Mm -hmm. green, like kind of uh, just it, it just. It was just a completely. You never seen a beer like it before, right? You never, right. And, you, and you've never exactly. You've never seen a beer like it too, right? Because it right. was. You're absolutely right. The the way the With bottle the flowers looked, the, and the, the, whole the thing. label, it yeah. just took you someplace it just, else. It was, and I had been to the Sierra Nevadas, and that is they mm-hmm. captured it. Yeah, you know, whatever it is, and they captured it also in the taste in the bottle. Mm-hmm. And uh, there you go. You know your classic West Coast, which eventually become the West Coast IPA, mm-hmm. but. Um, yeah, yeah, that that one was big and introduced me to my by my friends. So, and then just I remember uh, we made the most terrible homebrew. I mean, it was it was absolutely it had chunks of yeast floating in it, and but we were like, yeah, we made beer. This is great. Well, and uh, so so what we did did you try it. to mimic pale ale when you were no, brewing? No, we didn't have it. We did not have the. Uh, we just made it whatever you know. Uh, Bloody amber, just beer. It was just beer. It was just yeah. Okay. Yeah, we. I, I don't even think. I mean, back then there was the internet was just starting. There was there was no way you can even get the type of. Uh, I mean, maybe there was like one or two homebrew shops in the entire state. Right, and you, you had know? to you had to go there, and yeah, and they were really more about winemaking. Mm-hmm. I remember they going there once in the back uh, corner. They yeah, to, yep. they had like, yeah, but very minimal. Yep. So, but that's that's when I was first exposed to home brewing and thought the the concept of brewing, making beer at home, was just fascinating to me. Okay, yeah. so you you were doing it at friends. Did you start doing it on your own? At, 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 Not on really. Your, no? So you know, I I would say I got very focused on my career and had uh, and then of course family and and uh, got married, had had my two wonderful girls, and uh, so that kind of took up a lot of my bandwidth for Mm -hmm. the next 10 years. Yep. So when the girls got a little older and I had moved to um, a new development and I was, and we had just, we actually just built a new house right here in East Greenwich, uh, right, right where we are today. It's probably about 10 minutes. And 
I was at that point I was I was doing a lot of running. I was I was training for a marathon. I just got back from like a 15 mile training run, and I was just it was it was a hot day, and I was just kind of walking off the run. And there were like four houses in my development, and that was it. And it was just all bulldozed land, farmland, okay. and and uh, so I, I only had three neighbors at that point, and and my one neighbor, you know, I'm I'm walking there, and I. I see that he's got a big pot in his front uh, kettle in in his in in his garage, and I smell it, and it smells like the most delicious thing in the world to me, after, especially after that run. And I just like walked right up his driveway and was like, <laughs> it's like, are you making? You know, because I knew that smell. Right. You know, we had made beer, and I'm like, hey man, you're making beer. What 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 is that? Like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> Little did I know that. So uh, his name is Jim. He uh, he had been brewing for a few years at that point, and had won awards. Okay. And also was on his way to becoming a national certified beer judge. Okay. So so uh, he was he was he was into it. Yeah. Really knowledgeable, way ahead of his time in terms of, and, and you know also just just a great guy. And we uh, we hit it off instantly. And. Uh, and I'll never forget the taste. And he was so, again, after this run, I was so thirsty. And he's like, well, you want to try my stuff? And I'm like, oh, my God, having a beer right now would be the best thing in the world. I'm like, so. And but I kind of had my, uh, you know, I've had a few people, you know, on a holiday party or like, hey, here, try my bottle of beer. And you're like, oh, yeah, it's yes, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah great. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And his beer was like, whoa, wow. Okay. This tastes better than anything I can buy in this store. Like, it was amazing. Not only because I was really thirsty, but it was. And, and that, that seriously blew my mind that mm-hmm. you could make that quality of beer uh, just using just with skill and the right tools and knowledge and and the right basic tools you don't need much no no these were a couple uh, igloo you know igloo containers a basic kettle Mm -hmm. nothing nothing big yeah you know a pump so so he, uh, he he said, "Well, I'm actually selling my system, this system, and I'm upgrading to you know a a more beer, which is a much like a structured like three tier system." Um, and, he, and he sold it to me for a couple hundred bucks, and I was like, "Yeah, you know, I'd I'd love to do that." So, uh, so that's that's how I started brewing. Started brewing about and what year? Like that, that was 2007. Okay. Okay. Yeah, uh, 2007, 2008, right around then. So. And also with with the equipment, I also Jim and I started brewing together. He, you know, he gave me a couple books. Uh, of course, you know the John Palmer book, which is like the Bible of home brewing. Um, and I just ripped into it and just got so into it. Mm-hmm. And the first couple beers, I made, I mean, they weren't bad. They mm-hmm. were just basic pale ales, but okay. they were, I was like, wow, you know, this is a whole nother level. But more than that, it was, he was, I, you know, I, I used to call him my Yoda, you know what right. I mean? I, he was, I was, he was really, you know, he was, uh, I was kind of like an apprentice to Jim. Right. And 
and we brewed together for probably two years. Uh, you know, I would go over and help him brew in his system. He'd come over and you'd be and uh, and and also just the the knowledge and and uh, and he would also give me very very honest criticism mm-hmm. because that's the thing when you're a home brewer it's like everybody's like oh it's good yeah. they don't want to hurt your feelings right well and that's anything like i'm i'm a photographer and yeah. in the beginning oh yeah those that's oh it's great great pick and it's like and then like a year later you're like oh no that was terrible why right, you know right. but and it's so, it, it's interesting to me the 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 saying that I, you're reminding me of is that when the student is ready the teacher will appear yeah, and that's it. Seems like exactly what happened to you. Right, right, and that's and that 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 is that is really what. Um, and so, it was, it was a really it just so learning the basics. And I would say that eighty percent of of what I do even today mm-hmm. is based on what I learned that first year. Mm-hmm. Um, and specifically, I have to I have to say with with the Palmer book and Jim's expertise and his, you know. So he wouldn't just say, "Oh, there's something doesn't is not right here." He would be like, "Let's talk about your process." Mm-hmm. You know, at what temperature did it ferment? Or let's did you how did you do the transfer? And was there any oxygen that was added during that process? Or hmm, let's talk about you know the how was your boil and uh, you know was was that, so if there was something even slightly off, we would talk about it and try to. And, and, and try to do detective work and mm-hmm. seeing what what was and, and I'll never forget what Jim said he said you know I love tasting good beer but sometimes I really like tasting bad beer because or, or beer that has an off flavor because that's a challenge to me to understand what happened right and and I think that's the thing that uh, I, I value probably most out of that experience was was just the the ability to uh, to have somebody who truly would tell you the truth mm-hmm. and you know not not every batch is great you know every every home brewer dumps, dumps a batch every now and then and, and or you have something that's okay but you have to learn from that experience yep. if you're not learning from it right. if you're not and, making mistakes you're not, you're not it yep. and then you know you're only going to brew a couple batches and you're going to move on to whatever next hobby you have yeah but for some reason i just was obsessed about you know making the perfect style and and, and i always the other thing that i would always do and and uh, from home brewing perspective, is is uh, a lot of home brewers. They tend to, you know, create every time they brew, they they do a different style. Mm-hmm. Or you know, they'll do a stout, they'll do a Belgian, they'll do you know a, an IPA, and then they do something you know a porter. And yeah, I covered a lot of styles, but what I really would love to do would be able to to brew the same exact recipe over and over again, and see if I could do it consistently. Mm-hmm. Dial it in and dial it in. Yeah. Do it consistently. And I think that's the other thing. That's the advice that I give home brewers is that, you know, I know it's, it might sound boring, but find a style that you really like mm-hmm. and keep brewing the same recipe and get your process tight, you know? And uh, so I, I think that, in, in a way, that was starting to lay the groundwork on, you know, a, a perspective of potentially doing this professionally mm-hmm. because that's what it's all about yep. when you're professional. Now, is Jim still your neighbor? No, Jim. Jim moved. So it's funny. Jim moved away. He moved down to Maryland for a job change. And uh, what happened was uh, we would have all of our neighbors. We would all hang out at Jim's garage. And, and then, you know, I'd bring over my beers. And we you know, Friday, Saturday nights. And we'd have – and, and once Jim moved away, I kind of took that. And mm-hmm. so my house became a thing, especially like Halloween, for example. I okay. would always – so in Halloween, uh, where I live – 
it's not only treats for the kids, it's also for the adults as well. So every kid uh, go to the front door. Every house, adults every house go to the has garage. Candy and also has a drink for the adults welcome out the kids. Very nice. And uh, so I was always, and that's really where the scrumptious pumpkins, which is on tap now. I mean, I've been brewing that one for probably seven, eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that was my Halloween beer. Okay. So at, at that time, you're basically then dialing in recipes, and, yeah. and they've they've kind of carried through some of them. Yeah, and and so like, and so I kind of took that mantle of being the you know the the go to guy when it turns to uh, just just the brewing, um, and so people would then come and check out my stuff. And then what 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 started to happen after a couple of years was I started getting requests for you know parties and things like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, can you make a beer for me? Can you do that? And I'm like, oh sure, you know. So um, so then it was just not because when you <laughs> and this is the dilemma of some home brewers it's like if you're really really into it. There's no way you can consume all of it, <laughs> right? Right. You or can't you have a problem. <laughs> so, uh, so you give it away, you uh-huh. know, or you, you, you know, you you make it for somebody for you know because, and then, and that's where that's where the beginnings of Death of the Fox started. Okay. Yeah. Right, so, so I was gonna. So you're you're doing now. Were you involved in clubs and stuff, or are you pretty much in your doing your own I was thing? Not, so I never joined. In a way, like Jim was my club. Okay. Um, and after that, I actually. Ju- I actually started a club called the East Greenwich Hopheads, and we had meetings for a couple of years before the foundation of Death of the Fox. And what I tried to do is the the same kind of philosophy of how I learned, which is get together. Uh, we talk about process. We, you know, it's not just a drinking party. Mm-hmm. It's actually that's it's, it's let's get together. Let's talk about the process of home brewing, and let's really be honest with each other. Let's let's go around and sample and really be honest with each other and say, you know what, this is terrific. And how did you how, how did you you know what did you do to create this characteristic or whatever? Or you know, something's off the mark here. Let's talk about your process. So, so the same thing Jim did with you. Exactly. You started doing yeah with others. Yeah, and yeah, and it was so I, I'd have meetings in my basement. I'd mm-hmm. bar in my basement, and uh, so. That was that, and I just I really I felt like I don't know it was really a special thing that I got a lot of benefit out of, and I wanted to uh, pay it forward. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, about what year did the the idea of Death of the Fox germinate? The idea was in my head probably just a couple years after I moved to this area because mm-hmm. I saw this old house, this and. It was just so, so unique, um, and it had it was a historic landmark. Mm-hmm. And it had a sign, and it said, "Death of the Fox." Uh, said, you know, this was founded in 1727. Um, headquarters of the first fox hunting club in America, and um, meeting place during the Revolutionary War. Of, you know, for the for the Revolutionary Army, mm-hmm. and. It, it it was just so cool. So I started researching it, and just this is in my hometown. Uh-huh. And yeah, it turns out that it, it it's and it's still standing today. It's a picture of it right over there. Uh, we have it right behind our our uh, our bar and our tasting room. And it's I've always been kind of a, a history buff. Okay, especially love the Revolutionary War, and I just love the the uh, the concept. Even like looking at uh, something always attracted me. Like I always found old fox hunting pictures interesting mm-hmm. the, the, the horses and the hounds and all of that right, stuff right. You know? and uh, 
So it just kind of appeared to me. Okay. So the concept just was like, wow. Well, if I ever do a brewery, I would, I would, I would, I would want it to be relevant to the history mm-hmm. of this area. So and, what's and in that building? Fox is a damn cool name. <laughs> so you know. what's in that building now? So it's a private residence. Oh, it's a residence. Okay. It's a, but they restored it. The, the Siri family restored it about 20 years ago. Okay. And it's absolutely beautiful inside. And uh, believe it or not, my daughter, my 13-year-old daughter, takes piano lessons there every week. Oh, wow. So the owner, it, so I'm, I'm actually in there, uh, mm-hmm. you know, quite often with my daughter as she takes piano lessons. Or nice. Take her off. So I do know the family. They also attended our church. And uh, before going forward with trademarking the name and everything, I, I made sure that that uh, I got in their good graces. Nice. To, uh, to, and you know, the only the only request was, well, just make sure you uh, distinguish it as a brewing company mm-hmm. or as a brewery versus just Death of the Fox. We don't want people coming to our house. Right, right. <laughs> Where's the beer? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and people ask, they're like, well, you know, would you like to have the brewery there? I'm like, I would love to, but there's no way a brewery could fit in there. In there right. <laughs> I mean, but, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's really cool. And, um, and that is just kind of the idea. It was just an idea for a few years. Okay. And when, once I started getting requests for, I figured, hey, you know, I'm just going to start calling it something. Right. Okay. Instead of Chuck's beer. Right. So then that's, okay. So that's where you started to, to really think about the idea of a brewery in general, not just the death of the fox, but having a brewery. Yeah. Was as you started getting requests and. That, yeah. And it started as kind of like a custom thing where, again, it was really more friends and family. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but then. And, and by that point, I had been corporate for almost 20 years, mm-hmm. spending a lot of time on the road mm-hmm. doing uh, just I was I worked for a big four consulting and an uh, 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 accounting firm, uh, two actually KPMG and uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers uh, for the last 15 years of my career. Uh, before that, I worked for Drexel and and Chop Children's Hospital. Okay. So I was I was based and I, it was a lot of time traveling. It was healthcare technology, a lot of implementations of uh, clinical and financial systems. Okay. But now, that's sounds like a very successful career. It's a it's a big jump. It's a leap to go from what what is what's the right word I'm looking for. What is um, stable? Yes. What is um, not, not, so, not, yeah. not so much comfortable, right. but you know, a steady paycheck. You sure. know, and and what made you say, I, I got to do it now. I got to leave. This is this is the thing to do. Yeah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, you I planned it out well. But, no, no. I, I, I'm just I'm thinking how. What what happened was I I kind of had my I got to the point where it wasn't doing anything for me anymore. Okay. Um, yes, it would be it would be a fin- it would be a financial hit in terms of um, what I previously had done and made and all of that. But I felt if we'd done it right and we had a unique uh, concept that set us apart. I could justify it. Okay. And, uh, but it was, it was really, it was a tough decision, Mm -hmm. but 
it's just one of those things where you have a driving need, uh, where you, you just you're like, I need to see this thing through. Right. You got to try. I know exactly what I want it to be. Right. So, uh, I mean, we're sitting in this concept now, right. but at the time, what was the what was the idea? I mean, you had the name. Yeah. But what was the atmosphere? What was the concept? What did you want to build? So. I really wanted to focus. Number one, uh, you know, at that point, IPAs were really starting to hit, you know, all all over the place, big time. And I remember feeling, you know what, I want to. I also want to offer German beers and English and Scottish and uh, you know all types of you know to kind of go with the um, you know the historical background of Death of the Fox. You know, okay. uh, so I felt like variety was really really important. And tradition, traditional tradition, recipe, okay. Right, traditional, mixing traditional, the old and the new. Okay. And um, and and I kind of had this concept in my mind of like a hunting lodge type of thing, so that kind of feel. Um, and I remember traveling to places like Austin and Portland and California and, and modern times specifically caught my attention in, in San Diego as, you know, being, the thing about it is, you, you know, if, if you're gonna leave, to me, leaving, you know, a, a very good six-figure uh, type of uh, you know, corporate situation, I had to justify it and do something different, as I mentioned. And I felt, a lot at that point, just there were still probably less than 30 breweries in the state 30 40 breweries in the state and most of them were only open two or three days a week mm-hmm. um, so three years ago four years ago yeah, yeah it was about that and I, I realized that if I do this I want this to be a seven day a week business I really didn't understand I felt that there was a lot of opportunity um, for breweries and, and the thing is it's it's it just became that it just it just became the standard mm-hmm. you know and I think a lot of that is because uh, you know the owners of those breweries had full-time jobs yeah. you know and they would brew a couple times a week I mean I'm talking about the smaller breweries the yeah. larger breweries and talk about the flying fishes and Cape May right. uh, but the smaller the smaller breweries um, and I felt I felt very strongly that in modern times again and 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 breweries like that really caught my attention because I was like, I love the concept of bringing two things together. Mm-hmm. And I realized, well, what do I like to do when I go to a city? When I, especially with, you know, my good friends or whatever. Well, we spend, we spend our morning either, you know, eating brunch or going to coffee houses mm-hmm. and then the afternoon hitting breweries or, you know, that type of thing. Right. So that's where the concept of kind of bringing both together. But it was really crystallized by my, you know, my, my college roommate. And I remember one, one day it was New Year's Day and we were sitting around and I was really, I was very strongly in the direction of planning, planning it. And uh, he's seen this concept in New York City. And he said, well, what about a coffee house and brewery? And it just, the light bulb went off. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's it. Yep. That that will allow me to make this a seven day a week business, right? And It'll, it and it covers a whole day, right? It covers the whole day, <laughs> yeah. um, and I really feel like they go together really well. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally in coffee coffee type stouts and beers, and um, you know, but it's it's also I think something where it lent the coffee house experience is, and I have heard this especially with the recent debates, is that you know the, the arguments that that quite a few breweries have made is that. 
you know, breweries and tasting rooms are much more similar in concept to a coffee house or a winery, let's mm-hmm. say, than a bar. Right. Um, and literally, we are a coffee house. Right. And we don't, you know, it, it is a very chill vibe in here. And we don't have TVs blaring. And we don't have, there are a lot of things. Even we like to say that, hey, you know what? This is a place where people can engage with each other um, and just relax and escape from, you know, the constant, uh, you know, 256, uh, you know, uh, Twitter world, uh, word, Twitter world or whatever you call it. I mean, people, and I love to see when people like put out down their phones and they're actually talking with each other and they're engaging. Well, and it's, it's interesting that because a coffee house or a brewery now, but I remember a coffee house years ago was a very more social place. Yes. I mean, I can't remember the last time I remember when I was at a bar whether with somebody or with a group of people, and you don't talk to anybody outside of whoever exactly. you came with. Right, right. But at, right. A, at a coffee house, you will engage with people, at a, and at a brewery too now, you're, you, I think you hit the nail on the head that it's more social. And just it's, for some, and it's doesn't, there's no law or there's no re- reason, but it just becomes a more social thing it's, than a bar. I think that people are into, a lot of times you find that there's more common ground in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, why why are they there? Yeah. And, you know, they they're all have, they have samples and they have flights in front of them and they're talking and, and they have a very engaging server um, who is educating them on the different beers and you know, styles and things. And then you'll have somebody, that, you know, four or five uh, seats down say yeah yeah you know and this is and and all of a sudden there'll be this you know i've seen it happen so many times right where all of a sudden everybody's kind of engaged in in the same conversation and they're not just staring blankly up at a tv you know looking at the basketball game or whatever that that might be on right and uh also you know there's not again it's it's one of these things where uh, when you say coffee house, one of the things that I was I, I thought of, and I'm a big Bob Dylan fan, right? Okay. So I was thinking of you know the six the fifties sixties version, you know the Bohemian mm-hmm. coffee house. Right. They didn't have food; they just served coffee. Right. <laughs> right. But they had they had a great folk singer playing, right. or you know? a folk singer, or a beatnik, or, or a, a poet, beat, or a, or a poet. poet. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You know, Alan Ginsberg, yeah. or, you know, Jack Kerouac. <laughs> but really, I mean, in, in a way that that is kind of the. Uh, uh, because in Jersey, of course, we can't do food, but let's own that and mm-hmm. let's do something that is uh, let, let's. And that that's one of the things again with some of the music is very important to Death of the Fox. Mm-hmm. You know, I will say that that I will, uh, and I, I think that uh, you know, <laughs> any coffee house in the state, they usually have it's a good coffee house. Is usually have music one or two times a week on the mm-hmm. weekends and that type of thing. We should have that right as well, even though we are a brewery. Right. And you do you do the karaoke on Sundays? Well, Sunday nights, yeah. So that and that's become such a big hit. Um, there has been just uh, we we have a group of I mean, there's so many talented people who come here on Sunday nights and sing their hearts out. I love it. And then you'll have musicians come in and and yeah. play other nights of the week. You know. Yeah, usually Friday, Saturday night, okay. uh, one or both. Um, we. So, like tonight, we have Jason Ager, who usually he plays here at least once or twice. Uh, he was, usually, maybe once every other month or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a lot of you know, singer songwriter types. Uh, we we I, another thing that separates us from a bar. Uh, I encourage original music. Okay. 
Okay. Right. So I love when somebody comes and actually plays their songs. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the one of the biggest thrills that I've had uh, when we first opened is uh, I was, I'm a real uh, you know I played in bands when I was younger and and uh, always been it's probably if I'm passionate about beer I'm, I'm as passionate about music okay. and what you play guitar guitar and okay. sang a bit I used to play in you know wineries coffee houses a little bit just gig around but not not anything serious because I didn't have a whole lot of time I was right. traveling a lot with my career but. You know, when we are in our opening week, we had uh, Eric Bachman from a band called The Archers of Loaf. They were a 90s kind of an indie indie rock band uh, from North Carolina and loved this band. Still love them. And uh, they have these things called living room shows, which is you know, pretty you know, popular or not even say popular, but important artists uh, go to sometimes literally people's houses, their living rooms or um, or venues like ours and play small, small shows, like, okay. like less than 50 or 75 people. And I was absolutely thrilled when Eric played to open up Death of the Fox here. Oh, nice! And, but and, and and that's one of the things. That, so we're we're going to continue doing that with living room shows um, to actually have real you know, nationally recognized artists, but also uh, local Philly bands mm-hmm. and 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 that type of thing. Original music is 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 important to me. You know, I, I just I feel like there's a certain segment. Again, I, I kind of. You know, when you look at the eighty twenty rule, I'm going for the twenty, mm-hmm. not the eighty. Right. I'm okay with it. You know, the dilly dilly thing. You know, for the many, <laughs> that's fine. You can have your many. I'll take the twenty. Okay. And um, and what I find is that people find that refreshing, and and to be able to come, not not have to go over the river to Philly mm-hmm. to see original music. Um. So that so that's something that's really important. And uh, yeah, it's it's kind of the vibe that we want to set here. Mm-hmm. So coffee wise. You today, you're not roasting your own, right? Right. So okay. right now we have we work with two or three local roasters: Crescent Moon out of Mullica Hill, Harvest out of Medford, and then a local roaster out of uh, Winona called um, Farmstead. Okay. And so it's it's a pretty exciting time because. Uh, we are now moving in the direction of, and this is part of the original plan, the business plan, is that after we you know, got our, our feet firm, we've been open now for a little over a year, um, that we would start roasting ourselves. And we are now in the process of expanding out a little bit and having on-site roasting. Um, and that will... So... I still plan to feature uh, local roasters, mm-hmm. but the majority, we're, we're, we're looking in the next three to four months to do the majority of our roasting and developing our brand uh, in-house. Okay. It's almost like you're on the coffee side, you're becoming a brewery from other places where you'd have your own brew, but every once in a while, you know, you can bring in your other taps and have, you know, exactly. other stuff going. Exactly. Right, which is, yeah. it would be great and if the brew. that it's, right on the coffee side. <laughs> right. You can <laughs> have it on the coffee side. We can't bring right. in any. You can't do it here I on the beer. I love my other breweries, but I can't serve their <laughs> right. product. But, but that would, someday maybe, we'll hope. Yeah. <laughs> hope and pray. We'll <laughs> All right, so so you, so an expansion, you're gonna be able to be able to watch it watch it happen. Yeah, watch the so roasting we're happen. Looking at having uh, you know kind of a, a see-through glass wall, okay, uh, and door that will 
so our customers during the day will, will see the roasting happening. That's cool. That's and, very uh, cool. Again, it's really, again, kind of uh, solidifying that concept of, of coffee and beer, mm-hmm. of which, you know, it's, it's, our, it's also the funny thing is in selling merchandise, uh, our most popular T-shirt by far is a very plainly stated coffee and beer on the front. <laughs> People love it. Right. Well, and, I'm trying to think other than water. Those are the only two things I really drink. Yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> like, yes, that, that cap is, that's what I love. That's it. Yeah. All right. So let's, uh, let's go through some of these beers. There's uh, a good awesome. number of them. Where should I start? Okay. I'd say we would start probably, uh, let's, let's, let's start with the obvious with, uh, our new England, uh, IPA. So this okay. is Hazy Crazy Diamond. It's probably our top seller. It is uh, um, it is pretty much a classic New England style. It is, and it's it's very. Uh, I mean, there is something happening. It's very it's very mellow, but there's there's a little bit on the back end. Yeah. So yeah, that is uh, that is of course lactose mm-hmm. oats. Citra, mosaic, and uh, we use it's double dry hopped, um, really loaded with the, with the dry hopping. So mm-hmm. um, very, uh, you know, fragrant and and fruity. Should not have really much bitterness at all. And uh, the the hop that we kind of that I think cr- creates that little bit of a it's almost like a peppery. Um, Taste to it a little bit on yeah. I feel a little a little burn on the back. Yeah. yeah so that is uh, that is Pecco. Okay. And really not a, a, a well known hop. I've not heard of that one. Yeah. Kind of. We like to feature hops that are you don't hear very much of. Okay. So, uh, we have another IPA called Calypso Summit, and it's really uh, it's incredibly mellow, very fruity, uh, almost tropical, uh, like dragon fruit. Um, melon you get out of that mm-hmm. this one though this one is uh is 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 i think the peco kind of gives it that little bit of punch at the end yeah oh that's nice that's nice and it it it, it, it makes it a more interesting makes it a more interesting beer like a new england is usually straight through right it's right. the same it's the same taste at all the different stops yes but yes. this has a little bit like you said right at the end that's nice. And uh, so, and that one, of course, some some of our beer names are music inspired. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that one is uh, when we originally released it, we had uh, we played Pink Floyd all day. So okay. that is that is a that Pink, is Pink Floyd, Floyd beer. beer. Okay. It was one of my beers uh, that I homebrewed before starting it, and we called it Crazy Diamond then. But then we, uh, went, as opening here, we we added some lactose Toast and and, and, oats it and and it became hazy crazy. Okay, nice, very nice. All right, so then. Okay, so yeah. this is uh, this is Moby Dick, the Great White Stout. This one I remember. Yeah, this is the one. Yeah, this is the one. It, it was. It, I think you poured it when we were having a conversation last right. week with uh, Megan and Dan, and this one like surprised me because I, you know, I was in the middle of talking, and I just, you know, you brought it over, and I, and I was like, well, all right, and I was like, holy crap, <laughs> it's a coffee stout because it is, and it's blonde. Yeah, it's blonde. It's it's you know. 
Doesn't look much different than the Kulsh, color-wise. So, uh, how we were able to do that is uh, steeping the coffee beans. Okay. Um, again, this is a stout in terms of the only thing that is that separates this from what people typically um, you know, understand a stout is, is we don't use roasted malt. Right. Okay. Uh, but everything else in terms of a mouthfeel, in terms of consistency, is, a, is our stout recipe. Yeah. I um, mean, if I were blindfolded... I'd bet money this was this was dark. Right, yeah. right. And uh, but but the real thing there is is combining uh, our dark roasted. It's called in <laughs> another Pink Floyd reference, "Dark Side of the Moon," uh, which is a roast from Crescent Moon, and uh, it's almost almost an espresso. It's mm-hmm. pretty close to an espresso. Uh, so that and combined with. Uh, cocoa nibs mm-hmm. so you're getting the chocolate and the coffee so you should be getting the coffee more on the front end and it should be finished sweet with with the chocolate yeah uh, so that one has gotten a lot of attention uh, usually gets gets some pretty positive responses um, it's kind of a new innovative style mm-hmm. we didn't certainly create it there's been uh, white stouts before right. uh, but it I think we have a, an interesting take on it right well, and pretty soon you're not going to have to go far for the coffee at all. No. <laughs> be right here. All right. And now we've got, what do we got here? This Salima. is Salima. So tell me about this one. So Salima is a uh, dark Mexican lager. Salima translated from uh, Spanish to English is salty lime. So uh, it's... Lime is, you can smell the lime. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's Is it carbonated? Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, it seems heavy the carbon maybe it's the salt. Yeah. Maybe yeah. it's the salt that I'm picking up because it, it feels more carbonated than Right. Well it's a lager as well. Yeah, so yeah. it's got a bit of a lighter. Mm-hmm. Especially after having the Moby, you know, it, that's that's yeah. a pretty heavy and then now you're moving to something. <laughs> Even though it's it's, but it's a lager, yeah. So you know you're getting um, I, that features uh, uh, flake maize, we uh, sea salt, um, and of course lime, the lime peel, and it's kind of a. Uh, you, now we also the, we have an option of, of serving that with a lime. Okay. <clears throat> I know you know some people are there's very mixed feelings about putting fruit in beer. I chose, but you should be getting the lime yeah. regardless. Yeah, you get the it. It almost has a soda. It reminds me of a of like of drinking like a, a pop, like yeah. a soda pop. Yeah, like because it's got it's got that little bit of the, the, the carbonation for me feels heavier than right than right. All, in the other ones, and that lime. Yeah, it's yeah. I this I. All right, it's only 5.8. This could be like, I could drink this all day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some, some good burritos or, yeah, or, or yeah, tacos. Yeah, you're right. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and that one, one of the things that I really love hearing is I've never tasted anything like this before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, uh, this is... As long as it doesn't have an off flavor or there's some... No, it, it's it, usually something... I, I take that as a compliment. Yeah. It's, it's a good... Yeah. It, it's, I've never tasted it like, like the Sierra Nevada. What is this? Exactly. But it, you know, it's good. So I would say with the ones that you're sampling, you know, the Moby and and the Salima are probably... Um, we, we get that response a lot. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of cool because 
we we enjoy being innovative here and experimenting with different styles. And I'm I'm noticing that you know there's not many lagers out there. No, there are not, especially they're, smaller breweries. They're coming. Um, more and more breweries are seeming to do lagers, but there'll be a it'll be like a pills, right? You know, right? That seems to, that's the, the 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 first the first step. Every little do a pills, right, right? You know, which is great. But this is I've never this is unlike anything I've ever had. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. That's wow. Wow, that's that's I like that quite a bit. All right, blueberry muffin Kolsch. This is probably our most popular beer uh, all summer. We still have a couple kegs left, and uh, let me know what you think. The the blueberry is definitely there. It is, but it's subtle, and and, and usually I am not a fan of. I'm not a fan of fruit flavors in mm-hmm. beers. That's just my preference. Yeah. Um, but this is I but this I could yeah, you know, I could definitely see this on a you know, on a summer outside, you know, deck party or yeah, you yeah. know, pool party. Yeah, so it's really the intention is for it to taste like blueberry muffin in a yeah. glass. Yeah. Um, and with the with our with our Kolsch recipe, it's it's very neutral. Mm-hmm. So um, we had some uh, biscuit malt in there, and also um, the actual uh, uh, blueberry, which mm-hmm. is a really great extract that we got out of uh, California. Okay. And uh, and blueberries themselves. Do you do a lot of fruit? Because I get, we did a ton of fruit beers over the summer. Okay, so we have our we had, for example, we had orange marmalade. It's a marmalade made with orange marmalade mm-hmm. beer. Uh, we have our uh, mango mango I, IPA, um, uh, our strawberry wheat. Okay, and we use fresh Jersey strawberries in that one, and uh, very popular. And uh, yeah, and the, and the blueberry, a couple others as well. Okay. Yeah, I could see how the Kolsch would support. You could probably play with a lot of different things with the Kolsch. Yeah, because yeah. it will, you know, it, it will get out of the way. Right. Yeah. Right. So, uh, actually, in about a month, we're going to be bringing back our cranberry Kolsch. Okay. It's just for Thanksgiving and okay. Christmas. It's yeah. kind of a. So it's 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 similar in okay. terms of yeah. yeah. Mm. No, that's 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 very nice. I know somebody who would really like that one. My girlfriend is is very big into the fruity summer beers. Yeah, and like she would love that. Yes. Yeah. So it, it really it, it's we've uh, we've gotten a lot of positive response on that over the summer, um, and it was surprising because mm-hmm. it was just it was kind of we were kind of experimenting with our culture, and it turned out uh, it turned out better than we thought. Sure. So uh, of course it's October. And we have the obligatory pumpkin beer. This is uh, Scrumptious Pumpkus. Okay. And it is served with a brown sugar and cinnamon rim, typically. you can. It's optional, though. It, it definitely does lend to the pumpkin pie yeah. aesthetic, the feel. And like I told you before, I am not a big pumpkin ale fan, but this is... You know, is because it, it is subtle. It's not over. It doesn't hit you over the, spice, the head. The spice, the yeah. spice is subtle. Yeah. So um, we used about, I want to say, twenty pounds of uh, pumpkin mm-hmm. in that um, maple, uh, organic Vermont maple syrup, mm-hmm. uh, and just just a, a, a tab of spice, not okay. not overwhelmingly, but just to give it a little bit of that. Um, 
and it just and people really do love the rim. <laughs> right, the rim is great. The yeah. rim is great. <laughs> That's great. Hey, you know what? I think the maple. I'm picking the maple up, especially now that you said it. And you're like, yeah. Now it's like, wow, there's really maple syrup in there. Yeah, yeah. No, this is nice. This is um. Yeah, a lot of times we get people who are like, uh, I'm not really into pumpkin beers, but this one is, you know, I can drink this. Yeah. So. Yeah. And and the rim, because it really gives it that. It's it, like a dessert. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. It, it, it finishes it finishes it off well. It, I, I am picturing Thanksgiving dinner, cutting into the pumpkin pie <laughs> afterwards, and this is, yeah, this would be great with it. All right. Scrumptious pumpkins. Scrumptious pumpkins. The last one we have is probably our our most popular flagship uh, other than the Hazy Crazy, and that's the Stout Herd Around the World, a double milk chocolate stout. That is chocolatey. <laughs> that is very chocolatey. No, that's... That's good. That's that's a that's a. I could all these beers. I could sit and drink all day. Oh well, <laughs> yeah. And that's just because they're beers, but they're yeah. they're they're well done beers. Well, thank you so much. For <laughs> really. So yeah, that one we've been. Uh, we actually uh, uh, before we opened, uh, I entered a uh, contest called Winter Warmers uh, okay. in Philly, and it was a uh, hundred. About a hundred uh, stouts and like you know what you would typically call winter beers, uh-huh. winter stouts, that type of thing, and uh, we uh, we won top 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 score out of, out out of, of that entire yeah. competition. Nice, yeah. Um, so I think we got like a forty four, which out of fifty in terms of the um, you know the contest. So that one is uh, certified award winner, and again you know uh, oats. Lactose, mm-hmm. which you know, which is the milk, um, chocolate malt, and of course, chocolate nibs in the secondary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, it does, and it. You should be getting some coffee notes in there. A little well. bit of coffee, but it, it the chocolate comes back again. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. it's up front, and then comes back at the at the finish too. Oh, he's a. These are these are off the charts. These are great, and uh, I, I wish I lived closer here. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be uh, distributing up, up up north very okay. soon. All right, I'm so, looking forward to it. I'm yeah. definitely looking forward to it. Now, are you distributing anywhere now? Yeah, we are. We're in I think five or six local bars, restaurants. Okay, but um, no, no packaging yet. No canning. No packaging. No canning. Uh, that's that's kind of the other phase two. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, but but for now uh, we are still kind of establishing, building our brand, um, and fo- focused on the experience here primarily. Right. Right. Um, and and I don't know. I just I see, especially from liquor stores and that type of thing. It's just I'm not sure if I'm ready to compete for shelf space. Right. It, 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 there's just so much product out there. Yeah. Um, I really want people to come in and experience and attach to what we do here, mm-hmm. um, and and then you know, we do do crawlers out. So we have cra- we've uh, so we do thirty two ounce crawlers. Um, so you can take take those crawlers out, or we also fill growlers. Um, 
But in terms of uh, cans, what we'll probably do is eventually, once we do can smaller, 12 or, or 12 ounces, we'll probably do can releases out of here okay. uh, and continue uh, establishing our, uh, our footprint mm-hmm. to bars and restaurants and expanding out to Burlington, uh, Camden County, um, uh, Gloucester. Uh, we're really a primarily in Gloucester and Camden County right now. Thank you, Chuck. You can visit Death of the Fox for coffee or beer at 119 Berkeley Road in Clarksboro, New Jersey. Check out their website at deathofthefoxbrewing.com. A quick follow-up on last week's show and the ABC special ruling. The ABC has determined to suspend that special ruling pending further investigation. It seems they're going to continue talks that they had been having, and they said they would include more breweries, especially those that would be impacted by the changes. We'll see what happens in the future. As always, check out the blog at overbeers.beer. Please leave a rating for the podcast on iTunes or where you get your podcasts. It helps. You can leave a comment on the blog or send me an email. I'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas for the show. Email address is cheers at santefoto.com. We've got an Instagram account at overbeerspod. I'm Freddie Clark, and I'm going to go have a beer, but I'll be back real soon with more conversations over beers. <laughs>